On the show today, Rich and I are joined by journalist David Marcus to discuss Disney's battle with Florida, the difference in the Disney parks, and what it's like to take your family to a modern amusement park. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the April 25th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. Gang, thanks for being here today. We are with uh, David Marcus today. David, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's great to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, Rich and I both took our kids recently to a uh, an amusement park for um, the holidays uh, for spring break. Um, Rich went to Disney World. You have recently been to Disney World. I want to talk about that because Disney has been in the center of the news now for a while. And uh, we've seen this sort of battle with uh, Disney and uh, the right. And that really culminated recently in, in this fight that Disney had with Florida um, about the so-called uh, don't say gay bill that uh, they had passed down there. And um, when you see what what Disney has become, first, like we're, we're all about the same age. We're all in our 40s. Um, when we were kids, Disney was Disney, right? It, it was it was the. It was the ultimate sort of um, brand for Middle America. It was it was just the family brand. You could all sit down and always watch a Disney movie. David, do you think that's still the case? I think it's broadly still the case. Um, I think that as far as there, the, you know, I know there was a little controversy over that movie Red. I I didn't see it. I I don't know. Maybe you or Rich have. Um, you know, my son watched it, and and my son is eleven. If anything, he's more based than I am, and I mean, he just kind of like liked it as a movie. So whether there are undertones or whatever, I, I do think that that most of the product line is still in keeping with you know I don't know quote unquote basic um, American values. But like so many corporations, they feel the need to really publicly weigh into culture war stuff that, frankly, I, I think a lot of their executives probably just like don't even understand. Um, so they're really just stepping on rakes here, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Uh I recently went to the parks, went to Disney World. And while there, it's was still basically Disney World. I've been several times over my life. It's definitely busier now than ever. Uh, I would say that the experience there is not as good just because it's such a nightmare to try to get to the rides and things like that. But, you know, this was in the midst of the controversy when we went and there was nothing in the parks. You know, all of the... uh, the Disney employees, uh, the I forget, always forget what they call them. The, the, cast, the members. Uh, cast, cast members, cast members, the uh, cast members were were fun. They were engaging. You know, they were nice to my family and I. They seemed to to really enjoy their work. And there was even a you know somewhat of a walkout at one point while we were there, and it was completely unnoticeable. And it's such a difference from the corporate side to the actual business side, which is something I think we're seeing more today where the C-suite is diverging from the average employee. And this is being really highlighted with what's going on with Disney. So what was your experience like, Dave? I was so, I mean, I was there for work, right? Like I went down not long after you got back, I, I guess when uh, the stuff was sort of reaching ahead, um, Fox sent me down just to sort of like, 
get the lay of the land and like talk some to some people and stuff. This was also when there were the very first um, rumors of the idea that DeSantis might go after Disney's special status like tax or city status or whatever which as of recording this has, has now happened um you know i agree with you I, I didn't see over wokeness in the park i i was surprised you know there was one thing that i kept thinking about as i uh as i watched this controversy over taking away the reedy car you know reedy creek industrial district whatever it, it's called i remember being in an elevator in one of the hotels and I looked at the little elevator inspection thing, right? And it basically <laughs> said, like, inspected by Reedy Creek. And, and I was like, oh, so they're inspecting their own elevators. Um, you know, and, and so there, there was kind of stuff like that. And the fact that once you're inside this really big area, you know, there's no convenience stores. There's no 7-Eleven. There's no independent industry. You're really kind of just, like, stuck buying the, the Disney stuff, um, and that was unique to me being from the Northeast where like, you know, you go to great adventure or something and like, you're there for the day, but then you leave and you're back in civilization. This, I could see it, it, as just like five to seven days of just like, you might as well be on a cruise ship. I mean, you're just not in the real world at all. Actually, I love that. That is the perfect comparison, Dave, because, uh, it really is this sort of self-contained environment when you're when you're in Disney. Um, like you mentioned, that there is no 7-Eleven. There is no place to stop and get cigarettes. There is no, there, there's none of that. It is all Disney all the time. And they I have was, made... I was the place to stop and get cigarettes. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm sure you were. <laughs> That's why I brought a lot. Every time I went out to have a cigarette, there'd be some like incredibly frustrated parent, like, oh my God, could I have one of those, please? And I, I said, of course. <laughs> That's why they're here. <laughs> you were the, so, the, the on-site cigarette dealer. But, but Dave, let me ask you this. Do you think that when you are there, when you're in that environment, you've, you obviously mentioned it. You noticed it. It was something that, that you saw. Do you think everyone sees that? Do you think it's, uh, it's part of what they're selling, in essence, is that sort of be detached from the world, just come live in Disney for a few days? Quite possibly, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I, I live in Brooklyn. I don't kid myself that I see the world the way most Americans do. Um, so I, I don't know, like I, I can only see it through my own eyes. But yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that in a weird way. It made me think of like, you know, Downton Abbey or those like, you know, the, evil and wah novels or something where like, you, you know, you go to your your aunt's country estate for a week and just like everything's there, you know, like there, there's no your all your meals, like everything's just taken care of. And I can see the the attraction to that, especially if you're going to be spending so much time just sort of like wrangling your kids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's pros and cons to it. And I, I can see why parents would find it attractive, it, although expensive, you know, attractive once you've sort of made that mental decision that, that X amount of money is going to go out of the account. Okay, let's talk about that expense for a minute, because that is something that um, all three of us have, have dealt with here. Now, I didn't do Disney for my uh, park trip with my kids. We went to uh, Six Flags, which was a little closer and a little more manageable. But um, when you go to an amusement park these days, it is expensive. It is not cheap at all. 
Everything you do is expensive. If you want to ride rides and you don't want to wait in line, you've got to pay for the fast pass or whatever they call it at, at all these different places. And, and that is an extra fee. If you want to uh, get a bottle of water, it's not a dollar $50, you know, bottle of water. It is a five, $10 bottle of water. So everything is expensive when you do this. Do you think Dave, that, that, that is a problem for Disney because we live in a world where, where, you know, people are making less right now because they can't afford to go buy gas. They can't afford to buy groceries. Uh, everything is uh, uh, taking a harder hit on their budget. It is Disney still doable in this modern era. I mean, Judging from how crowded the park was, uh, you know, in the middle of all this inflation, it, 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 it's, I mean, it seems sustainable. I was curious, so I looked it up, and um, between Disneyland and Disney World, I don't know if this number included, like, the cruise ships and other things, but 10% of Americans have been to one of those places. I think a lot of people would think that that number is higher simply because it's such a sort of, like, um it's such a considered such a sort of like basic staple of American childhood, but it really is only only 10 percent. And I think for the vast majority of Americans, it is probably out of reach economically. It probably always has been. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't I don't think that the Disney World experience has to be accessible to half of of. Americans for it to be profitable for Disney. I think that they can can just sort of like skim off the highest earners and and make their nut. Now, Rich, let me ask you this. You guys did it differently than than most people do it. You didn't, you know, all pile on a plane and and fly down to Orlando. You guys road tripped it old school style, which I I appreciate and respect. Um, Did that make the trip more palatable for you guys? It uh, definitely was. So inflation was part of that. You know, at first we were going to do the pile into an airplane and fly into Orlando, but the cost of tickets had already started skyrocketing when it was time for us to book. So it's like, hey, we're, we're, we're driving. And that definitely helped the experience in a number of ways. One. We get to the resort and I dropped off most of the family and me and the oldest daughter went to a Publix and were able to buy things outside of this controlled environment. Uh, to give you an example of what the price differences are, I could get Disney ears for my daughter, Mickey ears for my daughters for $6 a pair in Publix versus $30 a pair for the officially licensed ones inside the park. <laughs> And, you know, I ended up making a trip the next day. You know, we woke up our first day there. We had just, you know, the two little pitiful coffee cups in the room. We all wanted to drink water. You know, it's in the morning. And I went to the the uh, vending machine and it's like three fifty a bottle. So I ended up going back to the Publix at the end of the first day and just buying cases of water and things like that. So the the car definitely helped. And then in another way, the car helped because – me and the middle daughter ended up coming down with COVID on the way home, which I don't recommend, but we were able to make it home because we didn't have to, you know, then get off a plane or whatever. It's like, all right, let's just suck it up and drive. So I, I, I enjoyed the road trip aspect of it. Uh, I also, uh, Clark Griswold is my spirit animal. I, you know, even had my wife uh, recreate the picture of uh, Clark leaning out of the, the family truckster. You know, I'm leaning out the, the 
a window of her car trying to recreate his pose. So the road trip, I'm always down for. It's always miserable. You always run out of room. The car gets destroyed. But there's just something about packing the entire family in and smelling those awful smells and fighting and getting tired of being on the road. Uh, but one quick point, I've got to back up real quick on what Dave was saying about the closed environment. Uh, inside one of the parks, I wanted to run to a con- uh get some stuff that I didn't want to pay the inside the park price for, you know, some Cokes or whatever. And there was a convenience store just outside of Disney's property. And I mapped it and I could drive it in three minutes or I could walk it in six minutes because it was really right there. But I encountered an interesting thing when I get to the edge of the property because they stopped the sidewalk and I then had to just walk through like a field to get the rest of the way to this convenience store because they didn't want to make it easy, even though it was right on the other side yeah, but that's, of the that's parking just, lot. That's just Florida, Rich. That, no, that, that happens to me like when I go to like conferences in like Orlando or like other places in Florida. I describe for, for a New Yorker who likes to walk places, right? And I mean, I'll walk 40 minutes to get someplace. Um, Florida, all the cities in Florida are like those early 90s video games where like, you're you're trying to get your like guy someplace, but then like suddenly there's a weird body of water, or there's a hedge, or there's like <laughs> yeah. some obstacle that like, and now you have to like do this maze, and you're looking at you see that you're like it's Dunkin' Donuts is right there, it's right <laughs> there, right? But there's a highway, or there's a moat, or there's a power plant, or yeah, I mean that's just Florida, man. They don't want you walking anywhere. Like you're, I'm surprised people walk to their cars in Florida. I'm supposed to surprised they don't have those airport style like little walkways that just like you know get you to your car or whatever. That, that yeah, but but yes, Rich, I agree. That's why Disney did it in this case. But I think Florida just does that in general. Okay, so Dave, let me ask you this: Is it, I mean part of the reason that uh, Disney can do this is that self-contained environment, right? They have the ability to do that with the Reedy Creek thing, which is now uh, at least. For the time being, it seems like it's going to be uh, gone. Um, do you think in the end that Florida and Disney come to some sort of agreement to keep that? Because, I mean, one of the, you know, the, these are always devils in the details, right? And uh, part of the details here is that uh, Reedy Creek has billions of dollars in uh, debt that they service as part of being a uh, improvement district. And if they're gone the people of Orlando have to take up that that uh, debt and they're going to have to pay it off, which is going to be essentially a tax raise for all those people. Do you think that that Florida and Disney can some come to some sort of agreement here or are 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 we sort of are we are we is this the beginning of the end of that sort of totally self-contained environment for them? I mean, look, I, I don't I don't know enough about the inner workings of, of Florida politics and, and Disney World to to know what the result of this will be. You know, I will say um, I think it has caused an interesting debate on the right um, where some conservatives and not just the sort of like full anti-Trump bulwark people, but, you know, some people like Charlie Cook and National Review, some some people like Jenna Ellis, who's a, a you know, a, a sort of huge Trump supporter and was, was one of the lawyers, you know, behind all of the um, uh, lawsuits against the election results have said, wait a minute, guys, 
this looks retaliatory. This looks like government sticking its its nose into private business in a way that runs counter to traditional conservative ideas about limited government. Um, but I think right now the the majority of people on the American right are okay with at least a little bit of that, right? I mean, they feel like progressive politics and progressive institutions have already done so much to corrupt the society that limited government is meant to shield and protect um, that they're willing to go farther than they were five, ten years ago. I think DeSantis knows that. And I would expect that to be a trend that that will continue in regard to, to things like big tech um, and and other areas where where corporations are hewing to a to a woke line. Rich, I want to talk about something else that all three of us experienced here. This is the fast pass. So uh, since I had last been to an amusement park, um, amusement parks have developed what what is you know termed the fast pass. If if you go to an amusement park and you don't want to stand in line for two and a half hours for a ride, uh, you buy this fast pass that allows you to skip said line go to a much shorter line and ride it much uh, more quickly. Um, this was a new thing to me to experience in person. Um, I know you were a part of this at both Disney and Universal. Uh, talk to me about the Fast Pass. So at Disney, uh, it's uh, what is it called? The Lightning Lane. And you have a couple you can use throughout each day. It's not something that's applied you can apply always and certain rides exclude it. And it's, you know, definitely a, a money maker for them because we're a family of five. And so for the low, low price of only $15 for each of us, we could go to that shorter line. But again, you could only use it a couple of times a day. Universal has the express lane for most rides where you can just go into a shorter line. And it definitely it's something that you have to budget in, I think, if you're going to make this decision, because what Disney has become over the years and I've experienced, I I went in 1988 uh, with my mom and and grandmother and sister, and then I went for a bizarre work trip in 2009, and it's just, it's unworkable. The, The Disney experience has become standing in line and paying $20 for a slice of pizza. I remember when I went in 88 with my family, my mom agreed to do Space Mountain with me, and we just stood in line for, you know, maybe 30 minutes to ride this ride. But now these lines are up to, like you said, it's not an exaggeration to say that it's, you know, a two-hour wait. Uh, My my wife and oldest, my oldest really loves Avatar, and so they waited like two over two hours to go to this Avatar ride while me and the middle daughter and the youngest went and did some other things and we got in like three rides and like a play area during just the time it took them to wait in line and and something that i don't think people realize is all these rides are like a minute and a half long yeah so it's not like you're (laughs) it's not like you're standing in line to get something uh you, you know this Hugh, it's not like going to a concert or something where you're going to stand in line for several hours and then get a, a several hour experience. You're getting a minute and a half on these roller coasters like the, the Harry Potter one where there is no lightning lane. You stand in line for two hours and it is a hell of a roller coaster, but it's over. You know, you, you do it and it's over and then you're go stand in your next line. Yeah, and, st- standing in line is bad. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay, so, so that brings up an interesting point because, um, as, as you just mentioned, Rich, uh, you're a family. You're a typical middle America family now, right? You've got several kids. It's you and the wife. It's it's this big group going to do Disney, which is what Disney used to be about. It was about those big family trips to Disney. But I would make the argument now that at least partially, Disney is pushing to the sort of um, young uh, unmarried uh, influencer types that are on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter who essentially live the Disney lifestyle. And if you've never watched any of these uh, videos, if you've never seen any of this, it's eye-opening. These are people who make their money pushing Disney and not just like, you know, Mickey Mouse, but like the Disney experience and they do like, you know, here are my 10 favorite meals at Disney World or here are the three best alcoholic beverages you can get in the park or whatever. And like their entire life is making these videos of these Disney experiences for people. And if you're going to Disney World by yourself to make a freaking TikTok, you don't care that you wait in line for a little while because it, it you don't have a whole family to deal with. You don't have all these, you know, kids who, who want to go take a nap. There, I mean, none of that exists for you. Um, it's just you making these videos and, and sort of pushing the, the Disney lifestyle. Uh, Dave, do you think we're getting to a point where, where Disney in, in both their, their political views and, and what they're reaching out to toward is, is sort of forgetting that, Hey, yo! You got you got to dance with the Wangu Branya Branya here. I mean, this is the this is a uh, a company for Middle America for the American family. I mean, again, I I think I think until people say that they aren't going to stand in the line, then then Disney's fine. You know, I'm I'm reminded of being at NYU in the early '90s, and my roommate was this sort of like legitimate club kid, right? I mean. At that time in the New York club scene, there were a couple hundred um, kids who, who really were – I mean, there's a movie called Kids, not quite about that. But I mean th- these – you know, basically what this guy Toheed could do is because he was hooked in, he would get himself on the list plus 10 um, at two clubs a night, right? He would show up and there would be this long line for the club. He'd find fi- – he'd have five of his friends with him and he'd find five relatively – nice looking people or whatever and be like, Hey, instead of waiting in line and paying 20 bucks, give me 10. He'd make 50 bucks at each club and go in. Um, and the reason that the owners let him do that was because he was part of the reason that people wanted to be at the club. Right. Um, he also knew like a lot of drug deals, you know, whatever it was. Right. So, so (laughs) there's always the people at an event who are, either getting the discount or getting the free pass because they're kind of the ones who you want there. And and that I think is sort of this influencer class uh, to an extent. Um, And then there's the people who will wait an hour in line at Disney and the people who will wait an hour in line outside Club USA or Twilo in, in 1994. And I think that dynamic will always depend on whether the people are, are willing to stand in line. And so far at Disney, it looks like people still are. And another aspect of it and something that I didn't expect to encounter is, you know, as Brad, you said, there really are Disney people. And yes. at the end of our vacation, you know, we had fun. We've 
but it's something we've checked off. You know, the next time we spend that amount of money, you know, we could go to Europe or, you know, go to Costa Rica or something like that. And because we're not Disney people. And it's interesting inside the parks to see how many adults are there who are just there as adults with no children, no grandchildren. And a lot of them we're talking, you know, slightly older people like the baby boomer generation included, where this is just what they do. You know, they'll drive the 15 hours three or four times a year to get from Indiana or wherever and just go to Disney. And it's that important to them. And I wonder if that is going to continue into the future because it just seems like it's, it's become such a different experience. I, I know, you know, when I posted on social media pictures, I would have friends who were like, you know, we went a couple of weeks ago and the lines have done it. We're done. You know, they're not Disney people, but they are. It ha, do have the means to just go periodically. And they're like, it's just not worth it anymore, which I think is something that uh, Disney is grappling with from an entertainment standpoint. The parks, the politics is you know, have they diverged away from their target market in a number of ways? And like on the entertainment side, my kids have gotten really into watching classic films since our experience. And so the youngest and I watched uh, Peter Pan recently. And to imagine a movie like Peter Pan where you've got the Island of Lost Boys and this whole movement to like we're trying to find a mom. And even Disney has, you know, since we watched that, Disney has now put a, a warning on Peter Pan and we own the DVD, which I'm increasingly glad for owning physical things because I can watch it on DVD and not have to explain to my child why there's a warning about how uh, Tinkerbell is uh, and the pie is now problematic. But yes. again, there are people <laughs> who still love it, you know, and who that. There was this experience. Uh, the youngest wanted to ride a carousel, which the carousel was brutal. Uh, you know, people are really, you know, particular about which horse they want to get on. And, you know, there's this whole like fight. And while we were riding it, there was this uh, one woman who was kind of in princess costume, like a grown woman and had a daughter with her. But she said, and this is probably in hindsight, I probably witnessed an influencer in the wild, but she's sitting just perfectly posed on this horse on the carousel throughout the entire ride while somebody films her. And I remember looking at my oldest as like, well, we've just seen the most insufferable person inside this park today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't there yet. Um, <laughs> If I, one one thing that you made that, that that I just thought of though, and this may be marginal, but but as far as the the notion of the controlled environment goes, you know, and talking about oh, I could have gone to Europe or I could have gone someplace else, you know, I I think that right now Americans don't feel that our cities are very safe or hospitable. Uh, and so I think that whereas one of the options for a family would, you know, would have been, let's go to New York, let's go to San Francisco, let's go to Chicago, right? Um, I do think that that people are thinking twice about places like that. And the idea of this controlled environment where there isn't any crime and, and where they're not going to have to deal with anything like that. I, I I mean, look that that may that may well play a role. That's actually a really know, good point. A, yeah. Well, 
And for us, uh, when we first got there, the first night, we stayed in the boardwalk, which oddly enough, you ended up going to the boardwalk as well, uh, Dave. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's this whole like like you have mentioned, it's like a recreation of a, a real boardwalk, but it's inside the compound. You know, you're safe and they have movies on the lawn every night. And you know, you're on vacation, you're in a, a, a different city, but the kids are like, hey, we're going to leave the hotel room and go watch this movie on the lawn. And you know, without a doubt that they are perfectly safe to just leave the hotel room yeah. and go outside and watch this movie, which is, you know, if we were in New Orleans and I love New Orleans and the kids were like, hey, we're going to leave the hotel room and just go outside at nine o'clock at night and be like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I, you know, I, I, I think that's a big, I think that's a big plus. Um, I think it's a big plus for people. But that's, that's, that's a really good point, Dave, because, I mean, we sort of started this conversation with, um, you know, is, is Disney going too woke and, and how is their wokeness affecting this? But, but I mean, part of the problem with wokeness in these cities is that it's ruining the cities. I mean, if you decide that your prosecutor is not going to prosecute crime, then it doesn't matter how many people you arrest who break into cars or, or break into um, break into stores and loot them or who, you know, rob people on the street corner. If they're not going to be prosecuted, they're just not going to stop that. So it's interesting that that on, on the other end of that is also Disney World where, you know, there is no crime. Yeah, I mean, there must be some crime, but yeah, not 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 enough to. Not not enough to to sort of scare anybody off. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I I've walked a really. It's been a difficult balance for me as somebody who writes a lot about New York and and who obviously loves New York very much. Because up until very recently, I felt that it was a little overblown to tell people like, "Don't come here." Like, of course, you can bring your kids to a Broadway show. Even just in the last month or so. I, I've, I've felt a little dicey about that. I mean, like, I think if you like, look, you're not, you're, you're not going to get mugged. You're not going to get killed, but you know, might your, might your kid see some guy doing something you don't want your kids seeing? Yeah, absolutely. In a, in a way that clearly wasn't true five years ago. Um, and it does have a lot to do with, with wokeness or, you know, really with the idea that, um, in enforcing the law somehow does more harm than not enforcing the law. Um, so yeah, it is sort of an interesting relationship. I, I did see some, I don't know that I would call it crime. I, here's an example of the mischief I saw within Disney world. So Disney is noted for uh, painting the lamppost is a way it's phrased. You always make sure everything is fresh and clean before it, it's noticeable. So you'll paint things, you'll freshen things up when they still look good so that they continue to look this way. So I'm in the boardwalk in the lobby and there's this, all these flowers on display. And I see this guy working on the flowers at like 11 o'clock at night and I walk past him and then my curiosity gets the better of me. And I go back to him and I'm like, Hey man, like I know that Disney is all about these details. And are you really here right now working on these flowers at 11 o'clock at night? And he looks up at me and puts his fingers to his lips and goes, shh, and then takes off running. At which point I realized that there was just a drunk guy who, for whatever reason, felt like messing with the flowers at 11 o'clock at night. So like that's, <laughs> 
<laughs> so that, that, you know, that's tolerable. Like if your kids see that, you know, who cares? They saw the, like the rogue florists. Right. Yeah. That's not, that's, that's not what I was worried about in, in Times Square. I was about something a little, a little seedier than uh, unauthorized flower arranging. Okay. Let's go out on this. Um, uh, Dave, when you look at the future of, New York, you look at the future of San Francisco, you look at the future of a, of a place like Disney. Um, does this woke ideology end up helping them or hurting them in the long term? I, I think it's a pendulum. I, I think Democrats in New York understand now that people are getting frustrated with this. Um, I think that, on you know, bail reform is really a state issue. And, you you know, you've got the, uh, our governor, Hochul, who took over for the disgraced ex-governor, Andrew Cuomo, you know, who I think gets this right. And we've had Republican governors, so it, it wouldn't be that utterly bizarre for a Republican to win again. So I, I think at least in New York, I don't know California well enough, but I think you'll see um, I think you'll see some of this stuff get walked back. But for our cities, man, there's bigger problems. Like if, if people don't start going back to the office, uh, I don't know. I don't know what cities are going to do. I, I was in San Francisco in September and nobody was in the office. And I mean, it's, there's no one there. I, I mean, there's just nobody there. New York is a little better than that, but, um, our cities have some problems. As far as Disney goes, I think Disney maybe has learned its lesson here. I think that you're going to see a lot less um, of this overt woke stuff. And I hope most corporations have because part of what they've done is they, they bought into this progressive media idea that like there's settled science on things like Black Lives Matter, on, on things like uh, the trans, on trans ideology, on all this stuff. Um, and and – in fact, these are very nuanced, complicated questions that I don't think these corporations really want to be in the middle of. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Yeah, great talking.